0: Hello, we're back with another Care to Change podcast. We're glad you're joining us today. This month, we are discussing real parenting. You will hear April discuss teaching your kids what healthy dating means with our guest, Melissa Eckard. As always, we thank you for being part of this conversation as we hope to offer you practical solutions for positive change.
1: Welcome back, everyone. This is April Bordeaux, the director here at Care to Change. I am so glad that you are joining us for this series. Last week, uh, we kicked off the Real Parenting series with Britt Smith, and she shared some really great insights on how to have a foundation that your kids need in order to be successful at school. So if you missed that, I want to encourage you to tune into that. Today, we have a special guest with us, and I'll introduce her in a moment. We're going to be talking about teaching your kids what healthy dating means. And so I'm uh, really excited to, to dive into this topic. Next week, we're talking about bullying. The following week, we're talking about impulse control, anxiety, and ADHD. And then the last week in August, we're talking about what to do when you find your kids with porn. So this entire month is really about real parenting. We're talking about real topics that parents bring their kids to us for or ask questions about what we see kids going through. Um, This is a really great series that we've done intentionally knowing that kids are now returning to school, beginning to start back into routine after whatever summer looked like. And so um, this is a great series. Glad you're here. So let me introduce our guest to you. Melissa Eckert is with us today and Melissa and I have known each other, gosh, More than 10 years. I'm not sure how long we've known each other, but I know it's been over a decade. And Melissa actually goes around to the schools and different organizations, churches, and talks about teens, healthy dating, teen dating violence, teen dating prevention. So, this is what Melissa's been doing almost the whole time that I've known you. So, I know you've spoken to thousands and thousands of kids and parents. And you also lead a teen council to help talk about healthy relationships as well. So Melissa, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you're here. All right. So this topic is the topic I know both of us have teenagers. Yes. um, And you've already lived through the teenage years, at least with one of your kids. (laughs) Um, You have a couple in their teenage years now, as do I. And so anyone who has teens and really nowadays... Uh, earlier than teens. Dating is a topic in the house. And how do we as parents train our kids to find and enter and have and enjoy healthy relationships in dating? Because we know that dating is really sort of the training ground for marriage. And so we want to see them find healthy people to date, but then also recognize if someone isn't uh, healthy for them, or if the relationship itself isn't healthy. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm really interested in this topic myself, again, having two teenagers, right smack in the middle of this dating thing. So Melissa, I'm interested in hearing your wisdom. I know this is what you do all the time. Where do we even start with this topic? Wow,
2: because there's so much when it comes to preparing our kids for dating relationships. It honestly has to start long before they are ready to take that first step into a relationship. Even start as young as preschool age, you know, sharing with them, talking to them about what healthy friendships look like because the best relationships will start as a friendship. Mm. And so preparing them all throughout their younger years Whether it's, you know, preschool, elementary, middle school, and then hopefully as they start to enter into those dating relationships as they get older, they already have a foundation of what healthy looks like.
1: Okay. So first tip here, for those of you with young kids, start now. Don't wait until they're saying, when can I start dating?
2: Yeah. Or they start saying, so this is who I'm talking
1: to. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. When did this happen? And it's usually like, well, what does talking to mean? Yeah. You have no driver's license. What does that even mean? Um, I know we laugh about that, but like, what does going together mean? Yeah. What does dating mean? You don't even, you can't even drive. Yeah. How does that, how does that work? Yeah. So you said um, how to enter into healthy relationships. So how does that happen?
2: For teenagers and young people, their relationships evolve so many different ways because they don't have driver's license yet. And the process really starts... Older, elementary, middle school, when they start to show that interest in someone they might be want to be in a relationship with, their relationships evolve in different ways. Someone they have a class with, someone who they are family friends with, neighbor who lives in the neighborhood, or someone they even met on social media. They may not have a class with them at all. Uh, they may not see them at school, but they know they go to their school, and the relationship evolves that way. Mm -hmm. There's so many different ways that they start these relationships and how they play out that, you know, we need to prepare them for different directions in which they may go to establish these relationships.
1: I know you bring up such a good point because when you and I were early in the dating age, whatever age that was back then for me, I wasn't allowed to date till I was 16. And now it seems like it's so much earlier, but... There weren't cell phones and there certainly wasn't social media. So we weren't meeting people online and right. there weren't dating sites and dating apps and and all that is available today. And so we and there wasn't YouTube even back when I was dating. So we met people the good old fashioned way, which was, you know, by running into them somewhere, whether yeah. it was at school or some extracurricular function or church or whatever. But we just met the old fashioned way, which was face to face in person or by someone introducing us. So now there's so many different places. And I'm, I'm not shocked anymore. I'm sure you aren't either when you hear about teens meeting online or, you know, Snapchat or whatever, however, whatever the current method is um, that they're, they're meeting each other on. So one would be to be aware that there's lots of avenues. I think we know that.
2: It's important as parents when you are having these conversations with your kids about what, you know, healthy looks like, what dating even looks like for us as parents to educate ourselves um, because it was, Mm -hmm. it is very different from when we walked this journey. You know, they, they will encounter things that we didn't even think about because of, you know, social media and cell phones. And so when you're preparing your kids, your teenagers for dating, that has to be part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't leave that out simply because
1: we aren't familiar with it right I don't think we're afforded the luxury of not knowing anymore we can't use the not knowing as an excuse for not participating in helping them establish healthy dating habits you know because there weren't cell phones there wasn't even sexting right right and so even some of that that our kids are you know experiencing these days is different and so we can't just say well we didn't have that so we're not going to let our kids have it it's the reality of of life, phones and media and social media and all of that. And so we have a responsibility to learn it and to understand it and know the nuances and to be involved in that. So what does a healthy relationship that's dating really include? When
2: I talk with teenagers and, you know, in high school and middle school, ask them to kind of tell me. What they believe healthy relationships consist of, and some of the big ones you know that everybody thinks of are respect and trust, mm-hmm. honesty. Uh, some of the ones that they, you know, sometimes get mentioned and sometimes don't is boundaries within their dating relationships, communication within those dating relationships, loyalty is always a big one from young people, but helping them to understand too some of the ones that don't get mentioned and they don't even realize are things like individuality. Mm. Like getting to maintain who you are in a relationship without becoming completely consumed by that relationship or the status of it. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't even think about those things sometimes. They feel like there are different levels of the relationship or the Mm -hmm. status of the relationship. And when they think long-term is when they think about those deeper hmm. elements of the relationship versus just dating and talking, and but then the relationship evolves and they've already lost their identity mm-hmm. or their individuality. Safety mm. is a big one. Do they recognize what a safe relationship is? And not just physically safe, but emotionally safe. Support from their partner, support from their parents in the relationship when young people don't have the support of their parents in their dating relationships they oftentimes will not share information with them and so then that leads them down a path of having to hide things and lie which then impacts the relationship in a unhealthy negative way
1: the word that's coming to mind is openness that's another key element to showing that a relationship is healthy yes yeah I'm going to read this list because I'm taking notes as you are talking and that way when I go home tonight I can say this is what Melissa said (laughs) and it won't be just what I say right because you know it'll just hold more weight with my teenagers but respect trust honesty boundaries communication loyalty individuality safety Support and openness. What's really interesting here, this isn't just for dating, this is for marriage. Yes. Right. So, I guess what I'm hearing you say is that these are aspects, I'm sure they're not all of the aspects, but a lot of the aspects of how do you know if a relationship is healthy? This isn't just dating, this is also marriage, too. And like I said, you know, dating is the training ground for marriage. And so, if you don't have these things while you're dating. They're not going to suddenly appear when you get serious. They're not going to suddenly appear when you get married, right? So dating really is the the beginning markers of whether or not um, these are in place. And so this is interesting. And uh, my guess is we could probably spend the entire time talking about any one of these topics. To say, well, how do you define respect? And how do you define trust? And where is the boundary supposed to be and you know how honest are you supposed to be in a relationship and how much are you supposed to share and so we could probably really dive into any one of these to really identify and define and outline what this means and it could be different based on personality style but the reality is all of them are needed for the relationship to be healthy
2: yeah it it really becomes the the foundation that they build their relationships on and when those foundational pieces aren't there, the relationship can't grow in a healthy way. I always tell young people when we're in the classroom that if you just pick a few to focus on, mm-hmm. other things will come more naturally. Mm-hmm. You know, If you work on trust and respect and equality, you're gonna find yourself mm-hmm. in a relationship that also has support, communication, and honesty because they, all these healthy characteristics, all these healthy qualities of dating relationships, they're, they're interconnected. Mm. They build that foundation Mm -hmm. um, that makes a relationship strong and healthy.
1: And, you know, one of the recommendations we often have for teenagers uh, and parents uh, when we see them is to, as they're thinking about dating or recognizing that maybe the relationship they're in. And this we're talking about dating but i guess i could say these are also for friendship as well and i definitely when i see teens you know i'm talking as much about friendships as i am about relationships and and saying to the teens identify your must haves before you're in a relationship take some time to really say these are required for me before i even say yes to the first date if these things aren't in place no matter what, I'm saying no, because if I relax this requirement, then I'm really selling myself short. And then you can have a list of things that are sort of like, oh, this would be really great too. Like if they were this height, then this color of eyes, you know, or whatever. Um, and I, it, usually with teenagers, we start with, oh, I want them to have dark curly hair. And I want them to be, I want them to be a basketball player, or I want them to be smart or whatever. And then, you know, and we're like, what if they don't have it? Does that make the relationship not good or is it just not as fun or what? And so, you know, we kind of parcel out, these are the requirements and these are just like the cherry on top, like the wants, like, and if these are there too, and having those before entering in so that when you enter in or you're interested in, in in someone, you can say, are they these things? And if you don't know, you know, time will show, but if they prove themselves not to be That's the indicator that, you know what, this isn't the relationship for me. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean, you know, you don't deserve to have a great partner of some sort. But for me, this is my list. And really, you would want the person you're dating to have the same kind of list as well, because you want to feel like, hey, I'm coming to the table with some really neat characteristics. So I'm worth having someone with the same thoughts or ideals for their relationships. I go through an
2: exercise with students in the classroom about how they set the standard for what they deserve in Mm. a relationship and what are those things that are important to them, trust, honesty, respect. And then they narrow it down to the two most important things that I call the non-negotiables. Like what are the two things that if these things weren't happening in your relationship, you would move on from that relationship because they weren't there. Um, And I would encourage parents to walk through that process with their kids. Mm. Like, what are the things that are important to you in finding someone you want to spend your time with or you want to go into a relationship with? What are the non-negotiables for you? And when those things aren't present, that's when it's time to decide
1: if this is really a relationship for you to be in any longer. It's so so true, and you... When you say it like that, like who you choose to spend your time with, because the reality is, and we know this as adults, you know, I say it to my kids all the time, you know, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Right. Because you will become like the people that you're hanging around. And that includes the person that you are interested in. Yes. In dating. And if you're spending, if you're choosing, and time is such a commodity like- we have very little of it. So we have to choose wisely in where we spend it. So we want to spend it with people that are going to have these qualities that are important to us and that bring out the best in us so that as we grow and move forward, we are becoming, you know, what it is that we want to become. And that's a part of a healthy relationship, all of these aspects. Yeah. So as a parent and and people listening, they say, okay, yeah, I know, I know these things are important. It's nice to be reminded of it. But how do I know if I have this feeling like, oh, red flag, or I'm not sure what are some indicators that the relationship, you know, might not be healthy? Because, you know, these things that we've listed here, it's hard to measure, you know, when they're not there, right? But it's kind of hard to measure, right? So like, respect, trust, honesty, early on in a relationship, especially, you're like, okay, I don't know if I can trust them, because I really don't know them time will prove right whether or not they'll right. respect my boundaries or whatever but what are some indicators that hmm this relationship might not be healthy and I and I don't want to go completely into toxic yet I, right. I want to go there with you but kind of what are some red flags parents or teens who are listening to this and I hope that we have kids that are listening to this episode especially but what are some things to look for
2: initially some things that will pop-up that will be unhealthy, um, we'll just say unhealthy at first, are a constant need of their time and attention. When they have to give up their time, like you said, time is a a commodity, and when they are giving up their time to give this person that they're in the relationship with all of their attention to the point where it becomes demanding almost. That's an indicator that it's not, that individuality is one thing that's probably going to start to fall away from that foundation jealousy is another one that really starts out initially like are they jealous of your other friendships are they jealous of the time you spend with your family are they jealous of you know what you do with your spare time things like that that will be indicators of the unhealthy behavior starting to form it's hard to say constant texting because that's just our preferred method of communication right But to the point where they feel like they can't be separated Mm -hmm. from their phone, that they have to always be available Mm -hmm. for their partner. Those are some of the things I would say that will happen initially. Other red flags might be like their friends don't think their partner is good for them. Maybe their friends know things about their partner that they are choosing to not see or are choosing to you know, well, that was their past relationship mm-hmm. or, you know, well, that's how they were when they were with that person, you know, but some of the best indicators of future behaviors are past behaviors. So helping them to listen to the people that are around them. So when they, when other people see those things, we can help our, we can help them see them for themselves.
1: Right. You know, it's it's interesting that you bring these up. I've written four down, the constant need for time and attention, uh, jealousy, especially related to friends or family, the constant texting, and friends that see red flags or don't like specific things about them. And what's interesting about this is, at the beginning, these things can be endearing. Yes. He really wants to spend time with me. Oh, look, she's texting me when she first wakes up. She's thinking about me. So some of this at the beginning can be like, oh, that's cute. He's a little jealous, but it comes across like protective. Yeah. Like, oh, he's just trying to protect me from fill in the blank. And so these are all things that at the beginning, it's hard to know where's the line between healthy and unhealthy because they can come across at the start like, caring, protective. You can tell where it's like, okay, this is where some red flags, constant texting it is like, well, do they respect the boundary of texting that whoever is an authority has placed? Right. Or are they requiring you to text outside of those boundaries or asking you to, or you are feeling pressured, you know, to text at other times? So this this list is sort of a a, definitely a gray area yeah uh, because it can be viewed as endearing but then sort of teeter into and fall into the category of unhealthy
2: yeah well jealousy and possessiveness is often one of the signs that gets interpreted as love like they just Mm -hmm. they just love me so much like they Mm they want to spend we want to spend all our time together you know um i don't need anyone else you know they're my they are my best friend Mm -hmm. while it seems endearing at first it can start down that path of additional and more unhealthy qualities that start to
1: take hold. Wow. How do you know then when it becomes, you know, the term people use a lot now is toxic, but, you know, in your world and in our world, we hear the term abuse. And if you say this, this feels abusive in dating, you know, it can be met easily, you know, if there aren't bruises. With no, 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 right? And so toxic seems to be one that that word might be a little bit more, you know, well received at the beginning than saying, do you realize this is abuse? So let's kind of move into the healthy, we've said unhealthy, how does it move into sort of toxic and then abuse? I always
2: try to share with people that when things become toxic, um, it starts to impact how the person participates in the relationship they will make excuses for their partner's behavior they will give up the things that are important to them or the things the values that they hold in order to please their partner in the relationship those to me are indicators that it's now gone from it's about us to it's about me their partner that's definitely when it becomes more toxic because when they consume all of your bandwidth, they consume all of your time. And then you're, you have to either be okay with that or for them, they're like, well, then we don't need to be together anymore. If it's not on my terms, then Mm -hmm. we're not going to be together. And that's when it becomes toxic to be with the person when they start to question their worth in the relationship um, or they take blame for things that start to happen in the relationship, that's when it becomes toxic to be with them.
1: Well, wow, I can't write fast enough. You were talking about constant texting, and I want to say this while it's on my mind. We have a, a rule in our house. You cannot text someone more than two or three times. You wait for them to text you back. So if they text and you don't respond... And then an hour later or 10 minutes later or five hours later they text again and you don't respond and then you wait and whatever time, and then they text again it's like clearly you're not at your phone to be able to respond right so what's the expectation for the person on the other end who continues to text right instead of just saying oh you're not ready yet it's like someone you, in our day it was calling yeah I'm leaving a message and then a little bit like, okay I'm leaving another message and then like okay I'm leaving another one like Okay, well, as soon as I can get to the message, I'll respond. Right. But I'm not able to. And that's that individuality, like not respecting the space that's needed for the person to have their individual life. Yeah. That is healthy to have. And then respond when it's okay to respond or time to respond or whatever.
2: Yeah. And that's one of those boundaries that Mm -hmm. they need to set for themselves in the relationship. And as we as parents can walk, through the boundary setting process with them cuz they don't know that texting chain texting right. or texting until they respond they don't realize that that's you know annoying or bothersome or anything right. until it starts to happen and then they're like god they're like constantly texting me and I cannot like I can't answer right just relax you know but right. they don't realize that that's a boundary they need to set into place in the relationship and share that with Right. Their partner, so that they know if I don't respond after the third text message, don't text me twenty five more times. Right. I will respond when I can. right. It shows the partner that their time is not valuable because right. it's on my terms. Right. Like, you'll respond when I text. right. And you know, or when I send you a message, they will, do the ex? It becomes the expectation mm-hmm. when it really be- needs to be a boundary.
1: Right, right. So I, I'm, I'm toxic. So it goes from healthy to unhealthy to toxic. Some of those things, you know, impacting how they respond. Just like we're talking about here, when you find your child making excuses for their behavior, giving up what's important to please that person, um, and that can be extracurriculars or it could be time or it could be values. Right. Yeah. So consuming all of the bandwidth. I like that that um, how you said it like that, expecting accessibility at all times. Yeah. And then sort of questioning if the person is questioning their worth or accepting blame for their behavior, that's when it's become sort of, you know, and really codependent. Yeah. Because we are not responsible for how the other person feels uh, in any relationship, and we are not responsible for how any person acts. Now we can influence but we're ultimately, we're not responsible. Each person is their own person. Here at Care to Change, we say that's their yard and they're behaving that way because that's the way they behave, not because I'm making them behave that way. And so anything less than that, it becomes a dependence, which is toxic. Yeah. There's a lack of boundaries in that. So how do you know when it's become abuse?
2: There are some clear categories when you think about abusive behaviors. And I think one of the ones that we often go to is the physical abuse. But physical abuse is going to be one of the things that maybe happens later on down the line. Mm. They'll experience uh, different forms of emotional abuse, whether it's humiliating them in front of their friends, isolating them from their friend group, controlling their behaviors, controlling what they get to do with their time, who they're allowed to be friends with, what they're allowed to wear. So if you see a new relationship forming. And then there's a change in appearance, um, a change in how they present themselves. Um, Those are abusive behaviors. One form of abuse that I think young people don't even really think about, because a lot of it is socially acceptable, is digital abuse. Mm -hmm. 54% of teenagers who experience digital abuse also experience physical abuse. Define that. Having to share passwords Mm -hmm. to their phone Whether it's facial recognition, the actual code you type in, a thumbprint, um, they want to share social media or have social media passwords so that they can um, start to see who and what's happening. Um, They'll delete people's contact information from their phone. They'll respond to their messages, their snaps, as if they are that person having to send pictures of themselves. Mm -hmm. Maybe it doesn't start out as sexting, but it starts out as a, you know, oh, hey, you're, you know, at the beach, send me a picture. Or Mm -hmm. you're at the pool with your friends, send me a picture. And, you know, it gets pushed closer and closer to that line Mm -hmm. of sexting. It doesn't always start out as blatantly as that.
1: Yeah, so we've got physical abuse, which is the obvious hitting, slapping, pushing, Pulling, choking, anything that you would typically think of yeah. as um, physical abuse, the emotional abuse, which is any kind of coercion or controlling behavior that takes away someone's will, yes, or individuality. That digital, which is that intrusive, removing the individuality, and then there's sexual abuse, which we haven't talked about, but forcing, coercing, pressuring, guilting, guilting. Any sort of, if you love me, you would fill in the blank. Yes. Um, and that could be for any of these. These are all, and this is dating itself, but also any, any sort of relationship, any form of power and control. And we could go a lot of different directions with this conversation, I know, and we'll, we'll put it in the show notes, the power and control wheel, and sort of the cycle of abuse, how it happens, if something happens, and then they're so sorry and it'll never happen again and if they accept responsibility sometimes they blame the other person even then but you know and then gifts or extra nice honeymoon time and then there's some tension and then it happens again so we can we can really point out this cycle of abuse and so we'll put that in the show notes too so that you can see this I want to move to just for the sake of time you know we know what healthy is we sort of can get a view for oh that might be unhealthy Actually, that's pretty toxic to the point where it's like, you know what, that's actually abuse. So if for the parents listening, and they're recognizing, I think this is unhealthy, or they're recognizing, okay, we have a couple of the unhealthy and a couple of the toxic, or okay, we've moved beyond unhealthy, it is toxic, you know, all the way to you know what, that is abuse. So for the parents listening, or even for the teens, what do you do when you see it? It's such a hard thing
2: because it has to be their choice to make a change to behavior continues to happen or to say I deserve more than this Mm -hmm. it has to be their choice Mm -hmm. to say that because as parents you know we can see and even as friends you know their friends can see it as a parent we can see it you know when things become unhealthy and toxic and even abusive but if they don't see it or aren't willing to see it they may break up with them momentarily Mm -hmm. um, you know but then things are good again and they get back together with them and so it it ultimately it has to be their choice to end any relationship or to decide whether they want to continue to be in the relationship with the person
1: i want to stop you there just because you said they may break up and then get back together is that is that any of the signs yes i would say that is part of a cycle Okay. Um, when
2: they break up, they get back together, things are good, you know, oh, they really have changed, you know, and so they go right back into the relationship again, and it's good for a little while mm-hmm. and then it starts back into those behaviors that are unhealthy and toxic mm-hmm. um and that's part of the a cycle for them as well when mm-hmm. it comes to ending a relationship they become comfortable Mm -hmm. with the relationship it's not easy to be out there in the dating world you know young or adult so when they find someone that they are comfortable with for lack of a better word but they know what to expect whether it's healthy or unhealthy they'll stick around or they'll go back Mm -hmm. to that person
1: how do you as a parent you know or as a teen listening to this when you see this and you say Okay. It has to be their choice. So as a parent, you want to instill the values of healthy relationship. Obviously, that's done best by modeling healthy relationships, but you see it and you want it to be their choice, but they're not seeing it. What do you do?
2: This is where the conversations beforehand... Yeah come in handy. Right. This is why it has to be an ongoing conversation all throughout their youth that we talk about these things because then we can refer them back to mm-hmm. moments where, you know, remember when we talked about this or showing them different examples like, you know, I would never speak to your father that way or right. your father would never treat me that way. How would you feel if you knew your your friend was being treated like this Um, helping them to gain a perspective that they may might not be able to see Mm -hmm. for themselves um, is one of the big things and then just asking them how does it make you feel when they do those things or they say those things Mm -hmm. or they require this of you and listening to them because they might say initially it's not that big of a deal right but as you continue those conversations you know it does kids aren't always forthcoming right. with how they feel or what they think especially with adults right you know um so just walking through that with them and helping them to kind of identify and see what you are seeing sometimes it means going to you know the sheltering wings website and saying well look right here these are the examples right you know so if this is happening this means your relationship isn't healthy Right. Um, you know, helping them identify it that way. I've had conversations with young people who have said, like, I didn't even realize that that was abusive, right. you know, until someone told me mm-hmm. it was. Um, so not being afraid as a parent to say, you know, this is not a healthy right. relationship. This is not, you know, this is toxic. This mm-hmm. is abuse. Um, it's okay to label those things what they are.
1: Call it what it is. Yes. And then um, make a change. And then as a parent, taking the role to protect your child in that. And sometimes that takes some grit on the parents on on their end, you know, to be able to stand firm and say, you know what, we're going to take measures to keep you safe. But I like what you said in teaching them and letting them make that decision. Why don't you give the listeners who are teens some verbiage to use? when they recognize this in themselves, in their relationships. Okay, for the teens that are listening, saying, okay, I didn't realize that was toxic. Now I get it. What do I say to him or what do I say to her so that it stops or so that I can get out of it or so that something changes?
2: Most young people, teenagers, are not going to have a blatant conversation about their personal boundaries, whether they are physical, emotional, digital boundaries they just they don't have those conversations so when a line has been crossed you know they can say to their partner this really makes me feel uncomfortable I don't like when this happens in our relationship I feel like this line has been crossed Um, I feel like you know sharing how they feel and what causes them to feel that way really will open up a conversation so that they can Decide what needs to happen next in the relationship Um, If their partner's not willing to take responsibility for their role in it That's when I would take them back to that conversation of Do you feel respected in this relationship? If you don't feel respected That's then it's not a good relationship to be in Mm -hmm. Um, You know they can identify When they don't feel respected they can identify when they don't feel trusted. And they, we have to equip our kids to have those conversations. And it's not always easy for them to say because they don't communicate well with each other. Right, if right. they can't put it in a text message or a Snapchat, right. it's hard for them to say it. But teaching them to have those conversations. And it's okay to say to their partner, I don't feel good about this. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, um, you know, this is making me not want to spend time with you. Or, you know, just being clear about the line that has been crossed and how we can reestablish that line is I think one of the most important things they can do in having those conversations with their partner.
1: And the reality is as adults, we know that this carries into every relationship. Having difficult conversations using your voice saying, This is not okay for me. You know, how you live your life is how you live it. But in relationships with me, this is the line that I, I don't want crossed. And that's our language, right? Teens right. don't, talk, Teens like don't talk like that. But to be able to say, You know, I feel really uncomfortable when, or I didn't like it when, and then time tells whether or not they respect that and make a change, or whether that's a part of their character and it's not going to change. And then The harder conversation comes when it's like, this isn't going to work for me. Yeah. Um, And you're not
2: going to be able to change them. Right. I think that's a big, okay, so we've established that this is not, you know, this might be part of a character flaw that they may have. Mm -hmm. You can't change them. Right. They have to be willing to make those changes
1: themselves. So good. So good. There's so much to this. This is why I know that you do this on a on a continual basis, teaching and training teens and even parents and leaders how to recognize and what to do. And there's so much more to this. You mentioned Sheltering Wings website. I know there's a lot of resources on there. Are there any books or blogs that you would recommend, any other websites that you would recommend for parents or for teens who... Um, might want to have more information and want to know what to do next
2: yeah a great website is loveisrespect.org It's the website is geared towards young people and it has tons of information about dating relationships and boundaries and the good qualities and the bad qualities and dating quizzes and all kinds of things that a young person, even parents can use to educate themselves and to learn more and to a place to go when they might have a
1: question um, about their relationship. So good. Thank you for sharing that. Love is respect.org. We will definitely put the, that in the show notes with the other information. Um, if you or someone that you love is in an unsafe relationship, I would urge you to call 317 745 1496. That's a 24 hour crisis line that someone can help you and direct you to resources and safety. Obviously, if you're unsafe, you can call 911. Uh, but if you're listening, and you're in an unsafe relationship, I think, you know, we would be negligent if we didn't at least give that resource and say, don't wait, don't think it's going to change. You said it well when you said you can't change the other person. There, again, there's so much to this. Thank you, Melissa for joining us giving your wisdom. If you would like to reach out to Melissa and have her speak, we'll put her contact information in the show notes as well. Like I said, She goes and does this all of the time. This is what what she's sort of dedicated herself to. And you can tell just from the conversation how much knowledge that she has. And so I want to encourage you if you're a parent to reach out. If you're a teenager, look at that love as respect. If you need help immediately, call that crisis line number. If you're recovering from an abusive relationship, you're now out, you're free, but you're recognizing the impact. While we didn't talk about it here, there is a long-standing impact one's sense of self and sense of safety and sense of connection. And, and we would just love to walk through that journey with you and finding healing and hope and how to find a healthy relationship again. So I want to encourage you to reach out to us. Uh, Melissa, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Really appreciate your friendship, but also appreciate um, what you're bringing here today. And I know it's an important topic that parents are concerned about and I wish more parents knew about and armed themselves with. Join us next week. Uh, We're talking about bullying. Jared will be our guest next week. And then the following week, we'll be talking about ADHD, anxiety, and impulse control. And like I said earlier today, we're going to close out this real parenting series talking about porn and kids and porn. And so this series is about the real stuff it's the hard stuff but it's the real stuff of life and so share this information as always if you have any comments or questions contact us on our care line that number is in the show notes as well thank you all for joining us and i look
0: forward to connecting with you in other ways thank you for joining us for this episode of the care to change podcast where we offer you practical solutions for positive change We invite you to follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and YouTube to hear more about our conversation topics. Check out the show notes below to see resources mentioned in this episode. If you have any questions or would like additional information, please reach out to us on our care line at 317-979-7133 or email us at help at care2change.org. We thank you again and hope you will join us for more of our podcast conversations.